It is 26 minutes after the hour here on the Toronto Large Radio Show. And once again, we hear the the, uh, the the dramatic tones from the Courage New Hampshire television series, which can be found online at colonybay.tv. That's colonybay.tv, brought to us by James Patrick Riley, an actual historian who specializes in colonial uh, colonial history, pre-revolutionary colonial history, and uh, someone who has become a friend from a distance, whose uh, insights on the issues of today have been formed by his knowledge of history, which he shares in entertaining and uh, unabashed, unapologetic ways, and we appreciate all that he's done for us. Join me, folks, in joining the colony. Uh, at ColonyBay.tv, you've done a lot dumber things with $17.76. Besides, they'll give you all the ammunition you need to joyfully, happily win all of those cocktail party arguments with loony liberals who try to ruin everybody's holidays with uh, nasty politics. So with <laughs> with that, James, good morning uh, and welcome. Thank you again. Oh, before we, we have you say hello, John, which you can do, say hello. Hello, how are you, Rich? Fine, thank you. We have uh, our, our good friend Harriet Katie on the phone, our right-to-know watchdog here in the Granite State. Good morning, Harriet. Hi, Rich. I just wanted to call you and tell you, um, I've listened, although I've been sick and not doing much talking. I did do the work for the right-to-know commission, and we came up with a beautiful report. Anyways, I am going to miss you so much. Uh, it was a way to get information out about the legislature and laws and you were so good at giving us the time um you know it's and i and i like jane patrick riley's section of the show i mean there was really so much for people and it's such a shame that we don't have that all over the state well, we appreciate all that you've done to fight the good fight on the right to know issue and many others. Harriet, uh, well-deserved your First Amendment awards from various organizations, and we thank you of helping to inform our audience of all of those issues that um, they needed to know about as we continue to fight the behemoth that is big government. Thanks so much for the call. Thank you. All right. That's Harriet Katie of Deerfield. We wish her well in her recovery from knee surgery. Ooh. Yuck. Anyway. Never done that. All right, so James Patrick Riley. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Rich. It's a it's a sweet farewell today. I guess you know I I'm uh, I'm the wrong guy on these occasions because I, I even get a little bit uh, misty when people move from one apartment to another in the same city. So because um, they make you help them, and, and your your wife's uh, touching testimony was uh, got got me broken up a little bit. That was it uh, was very nice. Well, I, I when I was thinking about your final show here. Um, I kind of I, I kind of compare you to Benjamin Franklin because uh, he was a media guy. You're a media guy. He was a businessman. You're a businessman, and uh, he's also very interested in policy. He was always always trying to make his city of Philadelphia better. So I thought I'd have a little advice from his biography. I thought this was kind of touching, particularly uh, in in light of what your your wife uh, just said a few moments ago. He said, um, "This is Benjamin Franklin writing now." He says, "We have an English proverb that says." He that would thrive must ask his wife. It was lucky for me that I had one as much disposed to industry and frugality as myself. She assisted me cheerfully in my business, folding and stitching pamphlets, tending shop, purchasing old linen rags for the paper. We kept no idle servants. Our table was plain and simple, our furniture of the cheapest. For instance, my breakfast was a long time bread and milk, no, and I ate it 
out of a two-penny earthen porringer with a pewter spoon. So I thought it was when she, I cracked up when she said, I'm not going to miss the alarm going off at 2.30 2 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, it takes a great wife to put up uh, with, uh, uh, you know, a who's in business. And so yeah, Benjamin yes, Franklin had that advice for all young men starting out is to, is to find a wife um, who's, a, who's a good partner in the, in, in the industry side of things. Well, and so, uh, I, think I, have, uh, I think I have done that, if for no other reason than um, waking up at 3.30 in the morning to o- only to have to go back to bed <laughs> for over six years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, that, definitely, um, that, that definitely says a lot about her, and it doesn't even scratch the surface. So, Yeah. Well, anyway, and uh, and then uh, uh, Benjamin Franklin also had some advice um, for um, the improvement of society. He said, I thought this was kind of fascinating. He said, human felicity is produced not so much by great pieces of good fortune that seldom happen as by little advantages that occur every day. Thus, if you teach a poor young man to shave himself and keep his razor in order, you may contribute more to his happiness than if you gave him a thousand guineas. The money may soon be spent the regret only remaining of having foolishly consumed it. But in the other case, he escapes the frequent vexation of waiting for barbers and of their sometimes dirty fingers, offensive breaths, and dull razors. So uh, Benjamin Franklin was a big fan of um, teaching people for themselves. And I think that that's um, been your philosophy too, is that uh, small government teaching people you know, small virtues and, um, and having to avoid the Leviathan we're now facing in Washington, D.C., Mm. What? Speaking of that Leviathan, and by the way, Jorge, Ed, uh, if you guys have any questions, you want to chime in, feel free. What What do we do about that? Have we Have we come to a point in in our republic where you know we see both parties fiddling around the margins? Um, uh, you know, while the country well, burns, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm tax, mildly encouraged, this, you know, Rich, by um, the fact that they stuck to their guns in the House on not exempt of states from this. Uh, that they're basically not subsidizing the Governor Brown Cuomo's of this country. It's a pretty principled thing for um, for the House to do. You, you usually don't hear much principle in tax policy, but they're basically saying, look, if you live in an expensive state, we're not going to pay for you. Well, and, and of course, though, the Republicans are, are caving to that because the Republicans that represent those states are threatening to withhold their support, which would be necessary to pass it. If there isn't at least some limitation on those losses, and you know, I, my I, my brother-in-law lives in Connecticut, and we were we were together recently, and you know, he he's all hacked off at this uh, tax bill, and I, I you know, because he's gonna he's gonna get walloped uh, if it uh, if if it goes through uh, like this, and I said, well, why should we here in New Hampshire be subsidizing what you in Connecticut have to? Why why isn't it you know why won't it force the uh, the government of your state? to uh, respond to the now paying a hell of a lot more taxpayers in your state to rein in government. He said, oh, it probably will. He said, but, you know, to have to wait that long for the market to kick in and those changes to be made is going to cost me a fortune. Well, he lives in a high-tax state, it, it, and he's, he's not upset with taxes. Well, his, his job is in Manhattan. Well, tough luck. I know. <laughs> That's, I mean, you've chosen to live in a high-tax area, and then you complain about taxes. <laughs> And we live in a well, low-tax state, and we well, won't keep you, it that when way. You're, when right. you're dieting, you don't get thin right away. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a long-term <laughs> process, and I think uh, painful to begin with, but I think that these states are going to learn their lesson. 
Oh. Yeah, well, there it is. So, but you know, it just seems to me though that, with, especially with what the Senate's doing, that this uh, you know, any sort of tax reform, any on a, on a major scale, is going to crash and burn like everything else. Has the has the entitlement mentality uh, succeeded, in your opinion, as an historian? Has it succeeded in crushing the republic's ability to restore and maintain those God-given constitutional rights? And is the idea of limited government through a federalist system um, all but vanished? I, I, th- I think it is. I think it is in a depressing reality. But but I also I'm, I'm basically an optimist, and the reason I'm an optimist, I tell people is that. Go go watch Shark Tank on CNBC. <laughs> everybody everybody has an idea to make a fortune, and I think that's the I think that's present in America. And I think we have to be willing to cultivate it. And I think that this tax plan is a recognition that we've got to return the money to the people where they can they they can come up with new ideas. Now I have a question for you as an historian because someone said this to me the other day, and it kind of completely. Uh, it, it took me by surprise, and the argument that they made was the reason why the Articles of Confederation were done away with in front in in, in favor of this uh, Constitution that was adopted was because it was succeeding and it was successful, and and those who were in favor of a a more authoritative uh, federal government did not want the Articles of Confederation to succeed. So let me ask you as an historian. Were the Articles of Confederation, in your opinion, functioning well, um, uh, or were they faltering and necessitating a, a different form of government, which was the one we were given back in 1787? I think we were having a very difficult time, if I understand it properly, um, conducting treaties um, with um, you know foreign powers, and they, they were beginning to use our divisions against So I think that 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 um, it basically was it was impossible to present America as a united front in the world. And um, well, for better or worse, we are, I mean, I think, guardians of world liberty and freedom. And um, I don't think it would have happened without the Constitution. So, and, and another question um, that I'd like to get your, and I know it's a little bit out of your, your wheelhouse as an historian. Talk to me about the Civil War. Did Lincoln make the right decision? in declaring war on the seceding states or not because you know I and, the reason, so. and the reason why I asked that is because mm-hmm. a lot of people point to that as the beginning of the end of um, of the ability of states to be their own arbiters if they couldn't leave the union that they voluntarily joined voluntarily then um, it There's was the, it was inevitable that the federal government would become supreme over them and I think we can we, it's hard to argue that the states have become little more than administrative units of the federal government yeah, I mean that's as Shelby Foote observed. Uh, you know that war changed it from the United States are to the United States is. You know, yeah. Um, we we became a federal entity. We did lose a lot of states' rights. There, there's no question about it. But we were paying a price for um, an institution that we had not um, successfully ended. I mean, slavery. And so right. I don't think there was any choice. We we would have had to have. Uh, have had that uh, struggle at one point or another. I think, you know, I, mean, I think there are other, you know, moral failings. I think abortion. I think that uh, mm. you know, at some point we're going to have to end abortion entirely in America. I'm, I'm a huge abolitionist, and uh, that may be uh, curtailing of some states' rights. So, you know, I I I, I look at America today and I, our opportunities. I mean, the, 
the even despite the, the the massive welfare fraud that goes on, we still are a country where you can do amazing things, and I, I'm yeah. I'm very proud of our country for all of its flaws. And Jim, uh, Jim I'll give you a final uh, a final sort of uh, chance to plug yourself because you know you've been pretty selfless with your time. Uh, you know, you haven't really gotten anything out of uh, out of this uh, commercially or, or you know, in a, in a monetary sense. But uh, let people know where you are with the Courage New Hampshire project and, and what you hope uh, to be doing with it soon, because I'm still hanging on that cliff you left me on at the end of episode four. Well, I think I think with the series, we learned how to make, how to do production, how to tell stories. Um, what we really have to work on, and, and I, I'm going to have to get some smarter business heads than mine into it, is how to monetize a feature film. And I think that you know we're 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 on the verge of doing that. We have we're talking to people who can help us with the project, and so look for Courage New Hampshire as a film. And uh, I'm also at jamespatrickreilly.com. I blog a lot about politics and and uh, write a lot of satire, which is very difficult to write these days. So. Um, <laughs> Have you met Al Franken? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you, I enjoy your blogs. I, I, I'm glad at least now I'll have more time to read them and share them. And James Patrick Riley, thanks for all that you've done to be a part of this show. You stepped into the breach when our history lady was facing uh, cancer and uh, could not could not do the show. And uh, you were so popular, we asked you to stay, and you did. And for that, sir, we are uh, very grateful. Oh, it's been fun. I, I, I appreciate your friendship, Rich. And uh, we appreciate yours, and I know we'll stay in touch. And when you make a trip, right. uh, when you make a trip back east here to your your family's ancestral lands, uh, let's make sure we we get a chance to meet in person. Exactly. All you're going to meet all sixty of us Rileys in one mass trip. Well, I'm not going to buy that round on the house. It'll be a Riley rally. <laughs> James Patrick Riley. We appreciate your being Thanks, with us. All right. Stay tuned for our final segment of the Gerard at Large radio show. After more than six years on the air, I'm coming in for my final sign off. I will be sharing some, some thoughts with you uh, when we come back. I hope you'll stay. You are listening to the Gerard at Large radio show. I'm Rich Gerard. Good morning.